Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Give you a little recap. Last week, I was long-winded, just like I am now, and <clears throat> Courtney, and I didn't get to finish. And, and we were talking about pressure because we're in the series The Forge right now. And, and we, we started by talking about the impurities of our lives, and then we jumped over to pressure because that's the next process in the forge. After that metal's heated up, we apply pressure because we're starting to shape it into something. So last week, we talked about some of the pressures that can come at us. And I'm, I'm speaking from my own, my own life, my own life. Time was a big one. Time is something that I struggle with pressure-wise. Identity is something that we can struggle with. Half my life I struggled with my identity, who I was, what I was going to be, where I was at, what did the world want me to be. We have things that come at us. We have things that, and I'm going to tell you, I think things that attack us, that want our attention. And we left last week and I said I got two more points, so we're going to finish those today. You see, the other pressure that I, I think that comes at us, whether we want to admit it or not, is the pressure of perfection. The desire to be perfect. The thought that you don't want anybody else outside of you to know that you made a mistake. You see, I find myself asking a lot of times, when will I be enough? How do I know if I'm truly happy or just settling to be comfortable? You know how many people I talk to that say, that ask, you know, I just, I don't know if I'm, I'm really happy. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, didn't we? Because it's not so much about doing what makes us happy as we're supposed to live a life in Christ and we will find happiness along the way, won't we? But you catch yourself constantly striving for more, more everything, more money, more stuff, more beauty, more knowledge, more awards. You know how bad I want to win our district and I want to win our regional in basketball? Bad. Oof. But no matter how much you get, you never know if what you desire will help you become the best or just drive you further down the dissatisfying road of perfectionism. You see, you're never satisfied. There's a lot of times where I'm doing stuff, where I'm talking to people, where those tendencies, I can feel them creep up. Like I genuinely don't want to make a mistake like that right there. I just slurred that word, right? I don't want to do that. I mean, I don't even want to trip on a word. I want to be perfect. What about the feeling that you have of others in that thought? Because we hold others to be perfect as well. We have high standards. It's working yourself to exhaust, exhaustion in hopes that you'll feel whole, complete, and worthy. 
I'll work until I can't move anymore. If you think I've done a good job, if you take delight in what I just did, It's ranking your self-worth on external accomplishments. It's feeling like you have something to prove all the time, all the time, in conversation, in front of people. I could not be on our worship team. I don't know how they do it. Speaking of worship team, it's Meg's birthday today. We have a great worship leader, great worship leader. Yep, yep. 49, she's doing great, so wish her a happy birthday today, okay? But I, I couldn't do it. I just, it would be too much for me, the anxiety that I would take because I would want to do everything right every single week. What about piling on the emotions of guilt and burnout? Or what about self-hatred? You see, it's always coloring inside the lines and mentally whipping yourself when you make a mistake. Can't go outside that line can't make a mistake, can't screw up, can't be vulnerable. Perfectionism lives and breathes in your fear of making a mistake. It's driven by fear. When you're afraid of what might happen, you don't always make the best possible choices. You're making an emotional decision. Even after all the external successes I have achieved and the things that I have done, I'm still not happy. And I'm not always sure why. You see, when's enough enough? And then I think about that and I say, when's enough enough? And I I think, you know what it is? It's because the goals and the things that I've achieved and the successes that I've done, they didn't really come for me to begin with. They were somebody else's. They were somebody else's. I was just performing to the best of my ability. When you never feel good enough in the eyes of others, it's hard to build a strong sense of yourself. It's difficult. It's difficult to know that you, what you truly want, what ultimately fills your true purpose. Because so, so much of your life you've been living for someone else or something else. Perfectionism stays alive when you, when you look for other people in the world to give you worth. Relying on their opinions to give you a sense of your value. What was that? That was identity last week, wasn't it? Where are we pulling that from? Perfectionists often have a hard time understanding God's love, grace, forgiveness towards us. And it's because we don't feel like we've done enough or been good enough or deserve it. And if we're not carry or careful, that perfectionism carries into narcissism. Carries into narcissism. It obstructs our relationships with God who loves us unconditionally. Communion. We're supposed to remember, aren't we? Remember what he did for us. Remember how he loves us. But that blinds us. It's a facade. I have to excel at everything I do. It's important to analyze how everything can be done better. 
Everything can be done better. I lived a motto of that for a long time. Whether it was something that I was doing or it was something I was watching you do, it can always be done better. Critical. What you're doing is never good enough. I expect all work to be done without error. Zero error. Do not screw up. It's not good to ask for help. Oh my goodness, we can't ask for help. You know how many people I asked for help this morning? And it took my wife to say to me, you need help. You need help. I find myself stuck sometimes when things can't be made perfect. Like I can't get beyond it. My motivation is gone. How about this one? I prefer to work on my own so that I can control the satisfactory outcome of what we're doing. I want to control the outcome because if somebody else does it, it's not going to be good enough. Here's a good shame one. It's a good thing to point out other people's mistakes because they need to know. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. But you want to make yourself feel better so you cast shame on somebody else. And then you got justification in that. Again, I'm talking to you about myself. I'm talking to you about myself. But this is what I believe about perfectionism. I believe it's linked to a past of experiences or rejections that are unrealistic expectations that we had at some point in our life. At some point in our life. They're linked. You hear Pastor Dan and Emily often talk about whatever we're going through right now, the feelings that we're having, the emotions that we have, the belief that we're struggling with, whatever it may be, they dig. They dig. They want to find the root of where that's coming from. It's an unresolved issue, and if it's not resolved, it will continue to creep up over and over and over again. You know how many times that we try to portray things on the outside world or the things that people are looking into as perfect because we want to cover up the inner hurt that we have? It's, a, it's a, a pressure of striving. I used to love the word striving. I don't like the word striving. Because I think when I strive, I'm trying to do something out of my own will versus handing it over to God and being led by him. Identify the root and come clean with God. Identify the root and come clean with God. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. He forgave you. You're not perfect. It's okay. We have to be aware of our triggers and thought patterns. It's a daily thing you need to work on. 
Remember we taught 2 Timothy, right? Last week, 1-7. The last part of that verse is self-discipline. It's a daily battle. It's self-discipline. We work on it every single day. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. His, right? His, not ours. People before the plan. You know how many times I put the plan before people and I just railroad people along the way? It's like a, it's like a stinking musk ox. Dirty, stinky thing. And you're just plowing people over. You're running them down. Because you care more about the achievement of the plan, the success of a plan, and how you're going to look from the outside in versus caring about the people that are actually helping you along the way. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's easy. We just have to give up control. We have to quit striving. We have to quit conforming and being shaped by the pressure of perfectionism. One of the common questions that you hear when you talk about that is, how do I live with it? How do I, how do I keep on going? How do I get over it? Think about it in your life. Think about the things that we're talking about. Think about the examples that we just said. Are any of those in your life, are any of those situations or those tendencies rising up inside of you? You see, how do we deal and view with the pressure that's in our lives? In forging, you know, we talked last week about 2,200 degrees kind of being the sweet spot for making that metal soft where we can apply pressure. And I left last week's message asking you, is that pressure, is that pressure coming from the outside world? Is it coming from time? Is it coming from identity? Is it coming from perfectionism? Is it coming from hurt? Is it coming from regret? Is it coming from shame? Is it coming from fear? Or is it coming from God? What are we allowing to shape us? What are we allowing to mold us? What are we allowing to influence us? Ask yourself this. What if some of the pressures that we desire to cast off, to get rid of, are those that God wants to use in our lives to bring us closer to him. What if? What if it was to cause us to trust him? To totally and completely, without reservation, trust him? Is 
Is this pressure that we're talking about that we spent a few weeks in? Is this, is this pressure coming between you and God? Or is this pressure pressing us into God? Into God. Because although I've sat here and I've talked about some of the things that I don't like that bother me and come at me, pressures, I also think pressure is essential. You see, I think we need it. I said last week that some of us work under it. We're driven by it. We suppress it. We deny it. We try to escape it. I tend to think I have the personality of being driven by it. I think I'm driven by it. And as we discussed, it's not always the best case, is it? Because some of those things can flare up, can't they? But I do believe deep down that we're wired to need it. I believe that we need things to kind of shape us and mold us and kind of come at us. And how many times, how many times do we think when the pressure's cranked up, the heat's on, right? We're kind of getting pounded right now. How many of us, the first thing that we want is rest? Instantly, right? When things get a little tough, we want rest. We cry for rest. We call out for rest. But when we have time to rest and relax, all I can think about is how much more time I'm wasting. You see, but when the pressure's on, necessity produces resourcefulness, doesn't it? It can. Deadlines tend to get a little bit more creative, right? The deadlines approaching, creativity just flows. Now it's all coming. Procrastination. Anybody write a college paper for a class in college? I mean, you got like a semester to do it. A semester. But I would write it on the night that it was due. The night that it was due. And I think the good grades I got them just keep, kept that like flowing. That procrastination would just, ah, I can give it another semester. You see, but what I found is that with too much free time is a wandering mind of self-indulgence, isn't it? Because we talked about that a couple weeks ago too. If we have too much time, if leisure activity is too much, I listened to somebody yesterday morning say that they had a ton of time off of work. Ton of time off. A lot, lot of time to do absolutely nothing. And the first thing that entered my mind was, I wonder what he's really doing. I wonder what he's really doing. You see, I think we need pressure. Not the type of pressure that makes us panic, have regret, or boast about our ego, but rather the pressure that can make us a little bit more uncomfortable, that can prod us along, right? To get us to go through the door that was just open for us, to take a chance, to take a leap of faith, to believe. And it's not necessarily pressure, but it's the response to the pressure that I think is really going to begin to shape us. You see, when we read the Bible, we find all kinds of pressure. 
one story after another. The world was going to end for Noah. I mean, literally the entire world. That man had some pressure. He had a deadline. Abraham, the pressure of doubt and sacrifice. Moses, pressure to free a nation. To free a nation. Job, pressure from the devil. Temptation, right? All kinds of stuff through that man. Loss, grief. Ruth, pressure to serve God in a society of disobedience, idolatry, and violence. Sound familiar? Pressure. David, the pressure to lead a nation while serving God. The disciples, pressure to bring God's word around the world. Paul, the Pharisee, the murderer turned apostle. All kinds of pressure. All kinds of agony he went through. But the, the pressure that he went through the most, and you, and you read it in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. All the churches that were then and are to come. You see, this pressure of adversity and affliction called each of them to exercise their faith, to grow. When God chooses his servants, he tends to give them an oversized workload. You know, I, I remember when McDonald's came out with supersized. Go large. I mean, I, I don't know they call it large size now or whatever. I always get it. But, but that's what it is. Doesn't it seem like when we're going through those pressures that they're overwhelming, they're huge, they're large? We're overloaded. And I would say that rarely in his pressure and in this time that it's experienced as leisure activity. Rarely. Typically we're in a place in what seems like overwhelming situations that require us to exercise the shape in which God is forming us into, right? Right? The shape in which he's forming us into. Not what the world is trying to form us into, but what he is forming us into. 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever. You see, it's him. Let him do the work. Let him work in your heart. Let him work in your mind. Seek him in everything that we are doing. You see, because it's in this type of pressure that pushes us beyond what we think we can handle to show that God's gracious supply, not our own strength, that is sufficient. Because how many of us try to do things out of our own will? And if we, if we really can't do it with our own hands and our own feet, we try to buy our way out with our money. And if one of those two things don't happen, we tend to be in a pit, don't we? Last resort type of attitude. See, God knows better than I do when I need to be pushed. God knows us. He knows the dust, the dirt that we are formed from. And God knows that when pressure is off that we tend to forget our need for him, don't we? It's easy. 
I talked to somebody the other day that said the same exact thing, same thing. As soon as some pressures started to let down in their life, it was easy to go right back to what they were doing. It was easy to go right back to what they were doing. Forget God, forget what he just delivered you from, and to crawl right back into the pit of despair. Revelations 3.17. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, and I can see these things in my life. They're, they're evident. I can start catching them before they're really grabbing me. So what I do is I say, God, give me, give me more. Give me, give me more. I don't want to be without you. I don't want to go through something without you. Give me more of you. I want to know more of his grace, to trust in his promises, to grow in my faith. I want a deeper understanding of his work. I ask for greater discernment. I ask for wisdom in all situations that I'm going through. I ask for more, more love for other people. And I'll tell you that right now because if you know me, you know I lack empathy. So I'm asking for that every single day. I had somebody tell me the other day, I'm too straightforward, too blunt, too direct. I'm sorry. It's not that I don't care, but I know that there's a greater purpose. I know that there's a greater purpose. And having sympathy for pity is not one of my strong points. I ask for self-control and I ask him for him to equip me for what's about to come. Because we're always going through something. Always going through something. And usually when we ask for these things, it's like the pressure comes. Things get cranked up. Things are coming at you. And how many times when you say, boy, that's not really what I was asking for. That's not really what I was asking for. I wasn't alluding to that. That's not what I wanted. There's a lot of times where we call out to God or we cry out to God and it seems like he just threw us a curveball. We don't understand. And in that not understanding, it's easy to get frustrated. And when we get frustrated, it's if we sit there and we boil in that, it's easy to get angry with God, isn't it? It's easy to get angry. My idea of more was different than God's idea of more. And when, when more lands, it's easy for me to want to retreat, to hold up the white flag and to cry out for rest. It's not really what I was thinking it was going to be. But you see, when more comes, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Christ through me. This pressure that we are getting forces us to focus and helps us to make the most of our time. He's growing us. He's shaping us. He's molding us. 
He's directing us. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. So be careful how you live. Do not live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. If I knew the pressure that was coming all the time, I don't think that I would really ask for it from God. How many times in our lives have we went through something only to turn around and look back and say, I'm never doing that again. I'm never doing that again. I'm never going through that again. I'm never, it was so hard. But in those same moments and in that same breath, how many of us can say that we saw God in those moments? How many of us can say that we saw him leading us and guiding us and carrying us and loving us instead of looking back and seeing what we did and how hard it was? When I look back and I have that feeling about God and his plan, I think it's wrong, and I have to ask for forgiveness. It's pride. It's pride. It's ego. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. I think I know a lot. So that really tells you where I'm at, right? Jesus' promises in John 16, 24, that if we ask in faith and in his name, he will grant it for us. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Our joy will be complete. Our joy. Where are we getting joy? We're getting it from Jesus Christ. We're getting it from God. We're getting it from the Holy Spirit. We're not getting it from a false identity. We're not getting it from lack of time. We're not getting it from perfectionism. We're not getting it from a wandering mind. We're not getting it from this world. We're getting it for something greater. I believe with all my heart that we have been given an abundant amount of grace to help us through all the pressures that we walk through and come across. All of them, not some of them, not a couple, not a few, every single one. And when he answers us with more pressure than expected, let us recognize it as an opportunity to share his holiness. His holiness. Take that good news outside of these four walls and tell somebody. An opportunity to share his holiness. Exercise love for others. Do something for somebody else. I talked to a gentleman this morning. He's literally living that right now. He's doing something for someone else. And it's not easy. Put others' needs before your own. And most importantly, lead into him. Lean into him. Because how many of us can really say that we walk outside these four walls and say that we trust him wholly and completely with after absolutely everything in our lives? Lean into him this week. Amen? Lord, we, we come before you this morning um, with joy, with joy, abundant joy, thankfulness, gratitude, happiness, an overwhelming sense of love. And as we have the opportunity to take communion this morning, let us be reminded 
Let us be reminded of the price that was paid for us. And not out of regret, not out of shame, but out of true thankfulness, out of joy, out of, out of an opportunity in a gateway for heaven versus the path that we were already destined for. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Continue to work in our lives. Continue to lead us. Continue to shape us, Lord. Continue to shape us. In your precious name, amen. In high school or middle school, we used to get these things called weekly readers. Little, anybody remember those? Okay, thank you, Jim. I'm not a psycho. All right. And I can remember one time in this weekly reader, and I was reading about this guy that went on a a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. Okay? I had to look it up. His his name was, I think it's Blondin, a daredevil. The great Blondin is what his name was. And he goes, he's got like, I don't know, thousands of people sitting there watching him. I guess at times these crowds would be up to 25,000 people watching people walk this tightrope, a two-inch steel tightrope across the Niagara Falls. This is in the 1800s. So he, he goes across on the tightrope and he comes back. Anybody want to see me take a wheelbarrow across? Crowd cheers, yeah. Takes a wheelbarrow across, comes back. Anybody want to see some weight in the wheelbarrow? Puts like a couple hundred pounds of weight. Wheelbarrow goes across and he comes back. And he says, anybody want to get in the wheelbarrow? And people are screaming. He's like, do you think I can do it? Do you believe I can do it? Everyone's, yeah, we believe, we believe, we believe. And he looks at the guy in the front row and he says, great, you're first. Boom. Guy's gone. Guy's gone. But that guy believed, right? He believed. How many of us believe? How many of us believe in God? But this is where the challenge is. Are we committed? Are we committed to God? You see, I believe. I believe. But are you committed? Because the definition of commitment is to carry into action deliberately. Go outside of these four walls and be committed to Christ. Be blessed and have a great week. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.